Welcome in everyone to a new episode of the Bat Flip Podcast. My name is Damon here with my co-host David and Matt. Got a big episode today. We've had a, a couple big free agents signing. Um, we've had a couple trades and a lot more of the under the radar moves that we'll get to. Uh, but before we get to all of that, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I've uh, just uh, been, um, you know, hanging out and watching some sports. Um, there's not a ton on right now. The NFL has been going on. It's been pretty crazy. I don't know if y'all saw that game yesterday between the Patriots and the Raiders, but I almost died laughing. Or I guess that was, <laughs> that was Sunday, but I almost died laughing at that. That was hilarious. Especially Mac Jones getting stiff-armed into the ground. As an Auburn fan, that made me really happy. It was uh, it was pretty funny. But David, how are you doing? The Cubs made a move, man. I'm doing great. Oh, listen. <laughs> All right. Jesus Christ. Let's... Other, other than the Cubs making a move, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, it's uh, it's almost Christmas, so uh, happy holidays to everybody. And yeah, I mean, enjoy your holiday, enjoy your vacations as they come. I think I'm going on vacation next week, so um, should be a, a good little holiday season. Well, that's pretty oh, good to hear. How you doing, Damien? Um, you know, we've had better weeks. We've <laughs> had some. Uh, we've had some better weeks. Um, but you know, overall, we're doing all right. The Dodgers are continuing on with the 2015 uh, greatest offseason ever, which we'll talk about here. But uh, you know, let's go ahead and start with uh, with some some smaller moves that we had happen, and uh, we'll go ahead and start with the kind of I guess relief pitcher, starting pitcher market, whatever you want to say with Lorenzen. Uh, but the Tigers signed Michael Lorenzen to a one and a, one year deal for eight and a half million dollars. Yeah, so uh, obviously I think for $8.5 million, they're probably thinking he's more of a starter. And last year he was not bad as a starter. Um, Michael Lorenzo put up a uh, – in 97 innings, now they were all in starts, uh, 18 starts. Um, I guess he, he battled some injury a little bit. Uh, didn't pitch real deep into games. But, um, you know, he put up a, uh, you know, a, a 424 ERA. Um, the metrics say he was about a 424 ERA pitcher. Uh, good ground ball rate, 50%. Uh, not a ton of strikeouts. Walks are a little high with him, but, you know, as he gets ball on the ground, doesn't give up a ton of home runs. Uh, he's more of a soft contact guy. Um, I mean, he's kind of a number five starter. And, I mean, I guess if you're the Tigers, just filling out a little bit of depth on guys that maybe you can flip at the deadline could be a good thing to have. I mean, you need pitching and you know, he was there. So um, it's going to be difficult to find guys that want to sign with the Tigers this year. And, you know, Michael Lorenz, it's a guy that'll give him the opportunity to start. So I think, you know, it was kind of a good fit for him and uh, maybe he gets flipped. Maybe he has a good season and, and goes somewhere, goes to a contender at the deadline. We'll see, but definitely uh one year, eight and a half million dollars. I mean, I don't know if I would have paid that, but I mean, you know, it's the Tigers and they probably got plenty of payroll and, not a really a much room to improve their team this year so uh it's probably worth the risk and just one year deal on a guy yeah it gives them a potential option to flip at the deadline um for sure but uh david we'll go ahead and try and look over to you for the oakland a's signing trevor may for a one-year seven million dollar deal yeah i clamored for this one i i really love trevor may he's a uh, he's got a YouTube channel, and I highly recommend you check it out. He he outlines a lot of stuff he does, off-season training, and you know the the kind of things he looks for as a pitcher, and the you know his game preparations and stuff. It's really enlightening. Um, 
and I have always wished him the best. Always hoped he would end up on the Cubs. Goes to the A's for seven million, which is a really good deal for a, a you know what is essentially a middle reliever. Um, and Trevor May throws you know a, a high high nineties fastball. He throws a changeup, a slider, curveball. He's almost got a starter mix because he used to start. So um, you know this is a guy who can absolutely be flipped at the deadline to a contender. He's going to be you know probably the the closer in Oakland I, I would imagine he's going to get some opportunity to to sh- close games and that may have been you know one of the things that drew him to Oakland but um you know good follow on Twitter good follow on YouTube check him out and um yeah I'm, I'm hoping the best for him I think this is a really good move for Oakland yeah if I could hop in real quick on, on him briefly um just I think this is one of the under the radar moves it's going to pan out really really well his stuff is really good and he's dealt with some injuries and, and some different things the last couple of years, but I think he's going to work out well for Oakland. Yeah, but I think it's going to be a really good deal for Oakland too. I don't know how many games he's actually going to be able to close out with that team, but he'll be a good reliever at least that he could potentially get flipped. Uh, but we had a, the Braves made another signing this week, Matt. So they signed Jordan Luplo to a one-year, $1.4 million deal. Yeah, Jordan Luplo is kind of interesting. Um the Braves are a mess in left field slash DH roles, and obviously, like, they need whatever they can get there. And uh, Jordan Luplo is a guy who, you know, he's had some decent success at times. Um, in 2019, he actually put up 2.6 war in only 85 games, had a really good season. Uh, he has run really low batted ball metrics throughout his career. Like, his career high BABIP outside of that one decent season was a 241 in in 2017 so uh just he's a platoon outfielder he hits lefties pretty well um you could probably platoon him with rosario out there i think the braves probably are still thinking about making a bigger signing in left field and this gives them some insurance and depth if they decide to do that and if not it's a pretty good platoon option to have and he's also a decent defender out there so you know you've got sam hilliard as well that'll probably be more of the defensive replacement type guy but you know, if you can probably feel more comfortable with Luplo out there in left field than than um, than Rosario, he also has a really really good arm, so he could probably spell Ronald Acuna in right field if you need him to. Um, you know, with Ronald Acuna having some injury issues the last couple of years, maybe DHing him just a little bit to save his save his knees and and put Luplo out there. So I, I think this is a pretty good signing. Just I mean, it's a one year one million dollar deal, one point four million dollar deal. So there's no risk to it anyway. So. Yeah, very low risk and gives him a guy who can hit lefties really, really well um, for that lineup and with uh, with all those other left-handed options that they're dealing with in left left field. But we had the Royals make a couple moves, so I'll just say them both and then you guys hit, each hit one of them. But the Royals signed two pitchers this week, one being Ryan Yarborough on a one-year $3 million deal um, and then signing Jordan Lyles to a two-year $17 million deal. I'll jump on Jordan Lyles, um, and I would say this is the price for – starting pitching that you know reliable starting pitching here in 2022 jordan lyles is, does not have any specific skills beyond being able to throw innings without getting hurt uh, his last two years he's had 180 innings both years and his era combined is like 4.9 which is exactly what he's projected for this year he's He's going to give up runs. He's not going to be dominant. He's going to get some ground balls. He's going to get hit around a little bit, but he will go deep into the game and, you know, give at least give the team a chance to win. He's been on Texas. He's been on Baltimore. You know, now he goes to the Royals. He's just kind of 
eating innings for these bottom feeder teams and he's making a living out of it. I mean, this dude is getting paid $17 million to go out there every five days and throw six innings. However many runs, you know, be damned. He's just going to go out there and throw. So, you know, there's something to be said for this kind of skill. And it's very clear that MLB teams value that. Um, And we've heard some interviews this week and guys are talking about how valuable innings are, especially with the 13 reliever, um, with the 13 reliever rule where you can only have 13 relievers on your team at any time and your options are limited as well. So I think innings are extremely valuable right now. And um, the Royals could look to, to shift him to another team at the deadline potentially as well, because teams are going to be needing innings. Guys are going to get hurt. We're going to see a lot of uh, more, more of this type of thing where you're going to have to have, you know, pitchers be able to take on that burden of throwing into the sixth inning, even if they're getting beat around. Yeah. Uh, I can elaborate on Yarborough just a little bit. Um, it's a very cheap deal. One year, $3 million. He's a fine swing man. I mean, he'll probably start for them because they don't have a lot of pitching depth, but uh, you know, he can go into the back of a rotation um, and he doesn't throw hard at all, but he's got some little bit of funk to him. And, um, you know, he, he might work out well in that ballpark in, uh, because it's a pretty good hit, pitcher's park and home run balls have been the problem for him for most of his career. You know, this past these past two years, a 1.45 home run per nine, 1.35 home run per nine. It's kind of bit him. He's a really good control pitcher. So uh, that he might put up an OK season there. And, I mean, it's a cheap deal for a guy who, and for a team that needs innings. So. And there's Go ahead, David. David. I was gonna say there's also still some interest there with um, potentially bringing back Zach Grinky even after both of these deals for uh, for the Royals just to get another veteran in there that can kind of give them some innings. But David, go ahead and say what you were gonna say. Oh yeah, and it's good to get you know guys in there in front of like Bobby Wood Jr. Right? You know you want to have those veteran guys in the clubhouse with Brady Singer. Yeah. You know with with all those guys as many veterans as you can bring in because those guys are gonna help develop Brady Singer. They're gonna help develop uh, Jackson Kowar. And, you know, Bobby Witt and all those guys, you know, they've got uh, Salvador Perez there helping with MJ Melendez. But what you're kind of seeing with the Royals here is a, you know, acquire veterans, acquire, you know, some skill, whether that's just throwing innings or what, and then see what happens, you know, down the road and probably trade them. And, you know, you just need you need Bobby Witt to develop. You need Vinny Pasquantino to develop. So, yeah, they really do. Um, So we'll go ahead and stay in division there and we'll go over to the Cleveland Guardians who they made a couple moves this week as well signing catcher Mike Zanino to a one-year six million dollar deal and then trading um, infielder Owen Miller to the Brewers for a player to be named later yeah I can start with uh, I can start with uh, Zanino um, he's a guy who he is a great defensive catcher who is a weird hitter <laughs> he strikes <laughs> out an absolute ton and he does not get hits when he puts the ball in play, but he hits a lot of balls over the fence. So um, he's very um, he's a very weird player, but he's 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 pretty good. I mean, in 2021, put up 4.5 wins above replacement. I mean, so I don't think he's some kind of superstar catcher. You know, his career low strikeout rate was 34 percent, um, which is astronomically high, and. Um, the one thing in 2021 he did do was he did start walking a little bit and instead of putting up like 260 
on-base percentages. He put up a 9% walk rate, so he put up more of like a 300 on-base percentage, which is a little bit closer to league average. Um, but this is a guy who, you know, he's going to hit around the Mendoza line, but he's going to hit for some power, and he's going to be a really good defender. So he's probably more of, you know, a, um, he's probably more of like a, a two, you know, two to three win player rather than like a five win player. But he, every now and then he's had that season in him where he just has a great year at the plate. So you might see that from him in Cleveland. It'll be interesting for sure. They definitely did power in that lineup, and they're going to get it from him. David, you got anything on Owen Miller? I do. You know, I was um, looking at it, and so I don't remember if you guys remember, but Owen Miller in April last year hit like 400. Um, yeah. yeah, I remember. So he, he went very, very nuts, earned himself a lot more playing time, and down the stretch, he was not as good um, with that increased playing time. He could play second base poorly, first base pretty well. And, you know, this is kind of a post-prospect hype type of guy. You know, I, I think the the Guardians knew they were going to get a roster crunch here at some point in the offseason. They've already added a first baseman in Josh Bell. Zunino is probably going to spend a little time at first base with uh, Naylor at catcher. So I just think they'll probably have you know they had no space for him and a player to be named later is pretty irrelevant the brewers obviously wanted somebody to compete at second base i think with uh toro or and yeah. um who was the other guy they got for second base because they trade colton wong it was uh oh um i don't remember off the top i'm of my head. gonna look i know they have Luis Urias still but i think right he, he, he might be third no he might be playing second with, uh, Currently, Adams. depth charts has Bryce Terang in at second base. Oh. So yeah, I don't. They're gonna have a. They're gonna have some competition. That Keston Hara could play some second base too. They're gonna have Oof. competition at second base, and I, I think they're you know they're just looking for a little upside anywhere they can find it. Obviously, Owen Miller has that capability Maybe. to be a decent hitter, but might be Vaughn Grissom. <laughs> the, the Braves are just going to keep giving the Brewers good players. I don't. Braves trading for Adamas. I don't think. I don't think they're trading for Adamas. But. I don't. I don't. I don't either. I just just a joke. Oh yeah. All right. Since you guys are done with that little squabble, <laughs> let's uh, talk. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the next player that Damien's going to hate. now Damien's favorite team. No. No. Let's go ahead and. Uh, well, we won't talk really about him just uh, your favorite but, team but that's what the san francisco giants uh they did sign a former dodger in ross stripling to a two-year 25 million dollar deal with an opt-out there um the big signing that we were hinting at is uh, they agreed to terms i believe it was last tuesday with carlos correa on a 13-year 350 million dollar deal um but actually today he was supposed to be announced and the thing got postponed the press conference and there's been some hiccup in his physical um, as, as a notorious Scott Boris client, um, Scott Boris doesn't like hiccups and physicals really. So we won't go in depth on the Korea deal until we actually get official confirmation because there is a small likelihood that he could go back to the open market. Yep. Yeah. So uh, it's pretty crazy with Korea. Um, I don't know. You know, I guess we'll wait next till next week to really talk about him. But um, Ross Stripling's interesting. Um, yeah, he is. Years. Two years, $25 million. Yeah. Um, not a bad contract for a guy who just put up a uh, 301 ERA in th- 134 innings, 24 starts. He, he pitched in 32 games, so he wasn't a full-time starter. I think he's a guy who can be a full-time starter. He's done it 
never done it before, but he starts a lot of games. So, but he was really good in Toronto last year, 311 FIP. So that 301 ERA really wasn't too much of a fluke. I don't think he'll put up that again, but man, the Giants do this every year. We've talked about it how many times this year already about these pitchers they sign. I mean, they're doing it again. I mean, look at, look at what they did with Alex Cobb last year. I mean, think about, you know, Ross Stripling doing the same types of things. I mean, it's, they're going to do it again. And this might be the next guy that they do it with. So. Yeah. Ross Stripling has a connection to that front office um, as well. And, uh, you know, Farhan Zaidi came from the Dodgers. Gabe Kapler. Yeah. Gabe Kapler was, you know, a minor league development guy when Ross Stripling was coming through that um, Dodgers pipeline there. And then another interesting thing, which I I know it's just a little tidbit here, but Ross Stripling's first career start came in San Francisco and he had seven and two thirds, no hit innings (laughs) in San Francisco. Yeah. And there, you look at the Giants rotation right now, it doesn't really it, it it's worrisome because it's in the division it is in with the Dodgers offense and the Padres offense. But as a whole, Ross Stripling slots in at the four per fan grab step charts, which is really good. <laughs> That's a really good four because I think Stripling could probably be a three on most teams. He's he's got a lot of skill and he's just never been able to kind of stick in the rotation for a long time. So, you know, it, I think, and I think it's that flexibility, right? It's his ability to yeah. swing from the bullpen that, that, that teams like, and they want him to be able to do that to, to preserve his arm and to allow for other starts to be made. So um, I don't know, maybe, you know, 12 million, I think the giants do want him to start this season, but um, you know, that I think that was 134 innings, his most in his career. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the most he's ever thrown. So um, you would think that, uh, that you know he would be pushing it if he got to like 150 innings, but we'll see. Yeah, he probably wanted a runway to start, and the yep. Giants were going to be the team that gave it to him. Um, you know, having that background with him before. But uh, let's go ahead and we'll stay in division there, and we'll go to the to the rivals of the Giants, my favorite team, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, you know, they made three moves this weekend or this week, um, and continuing on at that 2015 kind of off season of signing Noah Syndergaard to a one-year $13 million deal, uh, signing J.D. Martinez to a one-year $10 million deal, and then they swung a trade with the Tampa Bay Rays to acquire relief pitcher J.P. Fireisen for uh, relief pitcher Jeff Bagel. Yeah, I guess I can start with uh, Fireisen. Um, he was, I mean, he got traded in 2021. Um, I believe he was part of the Adamus. Really Adamus yep. trade. Yep. And, and Rasmussen. Yep, yeah, and Rasmussen. So he came into um, – he went into Tampa Bay, and they found something with him. Um, in 2022, he dealt with injuries down the stretch with a shoulder injury. But he had a – in 24 innings, had a zero ERA, which I think is pretty good. Um, decent. He did, decent. Yeah, he had a 167 FIP. Um, so it wasn't totally fluky. I mean – you know, you would expect him to probably have given up a few home runs, but, you know, in a, in a longer, larger sample size. But his plate discipline numbers are really good. Projection systems don't love him, but um, with the Dodgers' track record of relievers and being able to turn guys who have some good traits but aren't necessarily put well put together relievers yet into well put together relievers, uh, I would expect that JP Fireisen does really, really well in Los Angeles. You stole my guy there. I was going to talk about him first too. <laughs> he's he's. I really like JP Fire Eisen, yeah. and he was good in Milwaukee too. He 
was nasty for a couple of months there in 2021 yeah. before he got moved. Um, it, this is the typical Dodgers move. They they've hit just an absolute home run with this. He's a dominant reliever that hasn't quite been, you know, observed by everybody in the league yet. So I, yeah. I really think he's going to be good. Um, yeah. It is to be noted too that he probably isn't going to be back until August. Yeah, yeah he's the injury is injured, the question yeah. mark. So yeah, and then uh, the return was a low minors reliever with lots of strikeouts and lots of walks. So I don't really think it's. I mean, you never know with a guy like that, but I don't think it's going to end up being too much. It's a, it's yeah, the Rays. They'll they'll get something out of him. <laughs> we'll yeah, see probably how, a, a lefty reliever. He's six five. Throws really downhill. Has a cut to his fastball. But like Matt mentioned, doesn't have a lot of command um, that way. So if he's able to rein in the command a little bit with a team like the Rays, um, he'll probably be a decent bullpen arm there. But, um, you know, transitioning over to Noah Syndergaard, um, I, I'll let you guys talk a little bit more about it. But, um, you know, just listening to his press conference or whatever he had with the uh, the media yesterday, um, he seems like he is very excited and, and he's already working with um, driveline and tread athletics to try and gain some flexibility and some mobility back to gain his hundred, you know, trying to get back up to hundred miles an hour. Um, Cause the guy we saw this year was not the yeah. Noah Syndergaard of old. Yeah. Noah Syndergaard wasn't, wasn't very good in 2022. He was okay. Um, but I mean, he just wasn't the same guy. I mean, this is a guy who before his injuries was a perennial all-star candidate in a, couple times Cy Young candidate and he lost three miles an hour off his fastball after the injuries and just I mean he went from having a nine to ten strike strikeout per nine rate to a 6.3 strikeout per nine rate last year the control is still there uh, and he's getting the ball on the ground a, a good bit still but it's just not the same guy uh, you know but you might see the Dodgers be able to you know work with him and maybe a year removed from his injuries you know maybe get like you say, go to the driveline, get some of that velocity back, figure things out a little bit. Uh, and it's a low risk deal. Um, I mean, I don't, I mean, one, one for 13 is not that bad. I mean, especially for the Dodgers. I know it sounds like the Dodgers might be trying to avoid the tax yep, in some yeah. ways yep. this year. Maybe they're trying to reset their tax years. So yeah, uh, one for 13 is, um, I mean, if you're trying to avoid the tax and you're close to it, that's not the best, but, for a guy who's not really you don't really know what you're going to get out of him but i mean it's not a bad deal in on its own so i think we've seen noah Syndergaard's floor is the one thing i think this season Maybe. was was exactly what you expect a the worst case scenario for a noah Syndergaard season going forward it's not like he's going to tax his arm throwing 94 right like you know he can easily make a living as a as a soft toss and ground ball guy here um and I think there's definitely some some changes to his pitch mix that could definitely help him be that kind of pitcher. Um, but if he's going to work on getting velocity back and getting strikeouts back, I think that's major news. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, he's only 30 years old. There's plenty of, of mileage left on his arm. I imagine he'll, you know, he'll come out certainly looking different this year than he did last year. And you know, he, he's a skilled pitcher. We've seen it before. So, you know, I have the utmost faith in the Dodgers system because they are always good at nailing guys like this as well. Yeah. And that's the one thing that he mentioned was he's like, he wanted to come to LA because he had bigger offers for longer years, other places. And he said he came to LA because everything they touch turns to gold. 
And he said he mm-hmm. specifically saw what they did with Tyler Anderson and Andrew Heaney last year, and he wanted to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a typical Dodgers move. And I mean, when we're looking at the market where Mike Clevenger got $12 million, I think right. I would take Noah Syndergaard at thirteen million, or Matt Boyd got ten million. I take yeah. Noah Syndergaard at thirteen yeah, million. Yeah, compared to those, there's no doubt. You know, it's it just the way the market's looking. This is kind of the the point. I mean, even if you're talking about Ross Stripling got twelve million dollars, love Ross Stripling, but if you could take the upside of what Noah Syndergaard can be for thirteen, you kind of go for that. And with the floor of what he was last year too. I, I mean, I right. I really don't think that's the floor for him. And I don't think I don't know what the upside is. I think that, that a lot of that upside depends on just how, you know, how well, how much you think he can, how much it, can he actually improve his velocity back. But I mean, his floor from last year, you know, like a projections have him at like a four seventy RA this year. I mean, I, I would say, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and say that the projections are always right, whatever. But I mean, you talk about floor. I mean, he. That's a, that's a strange projection, given that it. He's literally never had any ERA lower than a four two eight. Right, but I mean, season, a, but so. he's also never thrown mm. a, you know, he's also never thrown ninety four over an extended period of time. And yeah. I mean, last year he had a, you know, his expected ERA was a four forty three, and he ended up with a three ninety four ERA. So, like, it, it's not. Mm. I mean, I don't think his floor is a sub four ERA. Yeah, I but, mean, that floor floor wise, he could, he could be a guy that gets blown up next year. But it's just, just remember, he still he did he that in front of the Phillies defense though. And angels, yeah, yeah. and he, and he I mean, still yeah, had a I mean, three eighty three yeah. fit. Like I, I think that's that's yeah. very easily you could say that that's yeah. his. Floor. Well, he had, a, he had yeah. a low home run per fly ball rate, but it, either either way, I mean, I don't think he's going to be much worse than he was last year. If if he's yeah. worse, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be much worse. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he's going to put up a five ERA. I'm just saying like I don't think I think he could it could be worse than last year, but it could be better. I mean, like I said, he could go to driveline gain. A, I mean, I don't think he'll ever throw a hundred again, but he might throw, he might average 95 on his 95 and a half, 96 yeah. on his fastball next I mean, year. After he, next year, you know, I mean, he was even showing stuff that he was throwing 98 in bullpens yeah. early last year. So, I mean, I don't think that a hundred miles an hour touching it is out of the thing, but I mean, if you can mm-hmm. get to 97, 98 for no center, yeah. that'll be just fine. Yeah. But, um, Anyway, staying with them, we'll do the last move, uh, and that's with the Dodgers signing J.D. Martinez for one-year, $10 million deal. Um, and it's interesting because his agent, Scott Boris, came out today and pretty much said that he turned down yeah. 6 and $7 million more from other places uh, to reunite with Mookie Betts, Robert Van Skoyak, and L.A., and also kind of rebuild his value a little bit. I was yeah. just going to say this is a steal, man. I I was big on J.D. Martinez as, a, as the number one DH in this class. He's a really good bat that I think was getting hampered a little bit by Boston. His numbers in Boston were worse than they were on the road last year. So, you know, I think some of that contract pressure um, coupled with the monster where he's not athletic enough to be able to turn doubles when he hits the ball into the left center field gap in Boston. Um, So he's getting help to singles. It's dropping his slugging. He's not able to get the ball up and over the wall as much at this point. You know, his home run total went down. I think a move to you know Dodger Stadium where the wall is low same size all around gaps are wide he's going to feast i think and it, it won't be necessarily a return to form but you know he he was definitely going to go elsewhere and you know he he did he took a a steal of a deal to to go back to LA yeah i i don't know if i agree completely with him being 
he's a good he's he's got a chance to still be really good but he really did start to drop with his power numbers last year and his his babbit was still high while I mean, he ran a, at the lowest uh on base percentage he's run since 2013 last year while still having a high babbit his walk rates have dropped his strikeout rates gone up he's i mean he still put up a 120 wrc plus which is good but you know when you factor in that he's you know a dh i mean 10 million dollars is fine for him i don't think it's like some kind of earth shattering move or anything i think he'll do fine in in la for a year i mean i don't think it's a bad contract or anything just i don't think it's really an earth shattering move and i mean i guess he could find the power stroke again but I mean, he only hit 16 home runs and 600 plate appearances this past year. That's not very JD Martinez esque. But um, you know, we'll see what happens. It could end up being a good signing. I I just think it's going to be kind of like a he's a fine player type signing. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a interesting move at least for the Dodgers because it's going to be the first time that they've ever actually locked down the designated hitter spot full time. Mm-hmm. They've usually used it as a way to give guys a day off. Um, I know we saw Justin Turner did that a lot this last year, but we'll talk a little bit more about him here um, in just a little bit with his move. But um, it's interesting there. But I think the big move is getting him back with his hitting guru, Robert Vince Goyak. I mean, mm-hmm. he's the guy who turned J.D. Martinez's career around. Um, you know, when he got released by Houston and went to Detroit, what was that, in 2013 to 2014? Um, Robert Vince Goyak was the, the big, big reason why J.D. turned it around. So I think getting him back to every day working with Vince Goyak, um, it, it's going to be a big move. I'm not saying that his power is going to come back, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him hit, you know, still hit upwards of 20 homers, um, you know, and, and still be that just consistent overall bat that he can be. It, I, I pulled up, um, I pulled up JD Martinez's spray chart this year, just to see if there was a bunch of singles to left center field. And there's a bunch of singles to left center field. I, I'm telling you, man, that getting away him away from the monster is going to help his line by a ton. Yeah. I mean, it, we'll see. Cause they're going to need it with the, uh, with the San Diego Padres also making some more moves here yeah. in this, uh, this division. Um, you know, they made a couple moves. They signed Seth Lugo to a two year, 15 plus million dollar deal, uh, which has an opt out uh, after the first season. And then they also signed Matt Carpenter today uh, to a six and a half million dollar deal in 2023 has a player option and a bunch of incentives that could end up taking the overall deal to a two year, $21 million yeah. deal. With, with Seth Lugo, and correct me if I'm wrong, but did I see where the, he said he wanted to start? Yes, that that's it was between the Dodgers and the Padres there, um, and he really does want to start overall, and that's why he leaned towards the Padres because they don't technically have a fifth guy in their rotation sure. at the moment. Yeah, so with Seth Lugo, that, that's interesting because he was a starter back in 2017, and he was okay as a starter. The ERA was high, but the metrics were not too bad. Um, but you know, since and in 2018, he, he pitched over 100 innings, even though he was a reliever. But since then, he's really been a, I mean, maybe a two inning guy at times. But he, his last two years, he's definitely been a one inning guy. And I mean, he's all right. He's pitched to a three and a half ERA or so. But um, you know, he's got a really good curveball. The spin rates are really good on it. But I, that's weird. That I mean, it, I don't know the track record of guys who have been relievers for. I mean, it's been from 2018 to 2022 he started 12 games and he's pitched in like 200 games so 250 games so i mean i, I don't know what the track record of is is of a guy who has typically been who has been a reliever almost exclusively for 
five years and then becomes a starter again, I, I would assume he ends up back in the bullpen, in other words. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, the the Padres – sorry, Dave, I was going to cut you off there. The Padres um, – the, the thing about it is they have him and Nick Martinez that both fill that swing man to starter role in general. Um, so you could easily see them working both of those guys into the rotation. And then if it comes into the playoffs, I'm pretty sure you'll see Lugo go into that late inning role with Suarez and Hayter um, come the postseason time. Yeah, that, that was what I was going to say. You have you have that swingman you know role. They're kind of capitalizing the market there. Also, Seth Lugo's chase rate was first percentile. I do wonder if the Padres or somebody can't figure out a way to tunnel um, Seth Lugo's nasty curveball all better with his pitches so that he actually is able to, um, you know, get those results out of that elite spin. Cause it seems like he relies on, you know, suppressing contact versus being able to get whiffs with that giant curveball. Yeah. So, uh, the Padres other move they made was signing Matt Carpenter. Um, I know we went over that stuff already, but it's a, it's an interesting move here because it seems like they have, I mean, he'll probably be a DH slash bench bat, but it seemed like they have all of his positions kind of really covered full of Mm -hmm. players already. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. I think it's a DH slash bench type thing. Um, I mean, he was good for those, what, that what, like month and a half in New York mm-hmm. this year. But other than that, his track record's been really poor since 2018. So I don't know how much they buy into whether or not that two, that, you know, five week stretch, six week stretch was, yeah, was for real or yeah, 154 plate appearances. I don't know if they buy into that being for real or if they buy into the last, you know, ever since 2018 being his real talent level. But I mean, I, it's probably somewhere. I don't think he's as bad as he was in 2021, but you know, I think, he's definitely not as good as he was in 2022. So I think he'll probably be something like he was in 2019 where he had a 96 WRC plus played decent in the field, you know, low average, pretty good on base, hit some home runs, not a huge, not great slugging, but, but decent. He'll hit right-handed pitching fairly well. I mean, I, I think he's kind of more of a depth move. And I mean, his contract kind of shows that six and a half million dollars this year, um, I know the deal can max it more than that, but I don't think they're paying him a whole lot of money. So, um, you know, I think he'll be, um, and you, now you got the injury question too. Is he going to be healthy that, you know, at last year he could stay healthy. So we'll see what happens with him. But I, I mean, I think this is just kind of a fine signing. He's just a different hitter now. Like that's, yeah. that's where I'm at is, is he made some significant changes to get to the numbers he got to last year. And they were really, really good. he, I mean, he was, you know, it was only 154 plate appearances, but it was such a stark difference from his St. Louis days that I I buy into the changes, but I don't buy into him being able to replicate it to that level. So, you know, he's 37. We've seen guys beat the aging curve at 37 before. I don't know that I like disagree that, you know, he'll be less good, but what it's a flyer and the, and the Padres have room on their roster to, to take on bench players. You know, they've, they've kind of voided themselves of those Will Myers and jerks and profile type of guys who are kind of, they're good, not great. Matt Carpenter could very well throw up these numbers again. Right. But you know, that's, that's low probability, but at the very least he'll play well against righties. He can play first base, maybe jobble at third base, play DH. It's 
it'll be fine. It's it's a fine bench signing for the Padres for a pretty cheap contract. And since when are they worried about money anyway? So, yeah, yeah I do find it interesting that he got a two year deal with a player option, you know, yeah. or an opt out, whatever. Like, however you want to describe it, it's the same thing. But it, it is interesting that they gave him the player option for the second year, not a team option. You know, I guess that's to guarantee they got him. But after having such a small sample size in the year before and not really knowing, it is kind of interesting at that point. But uh, let's go ahead and stay in the NL West as well. We'll talk about a little minor trade that the Pirates and Rockies made. Uh, that's with the Pirates acquiring outfielder slash DH Connor Joe and the Rockies acquiring prospect Nick Garcia. Yeah, I know, Damien, I know you love Connor Joe, or you, at least you did. Um, I think he's a interesting bat. I, he's a good on base guy. He, he's put up good walk rates and he doesn't strike out a ton. And you would think that being a, just, if you have those good plate discipline numbers, being in cores would probably make you have a really good slash line, but he just hasn't really had that 2022 and, you know, 467 plate appearances only put up an 87 WRC plus. He did put up a 340 uh, on base percentage, uh, but a 238 average, the batting average on balls and play was pretty low for cores uh, at 296. Uh, 2021, he was good at the plate and only 211 plate appearances, put up a 115 WRC plus. He's not much of an outfielder. He, he plays out there, but he's not very good there. Um, he's probably more of a DH. He's kind of an interesting type for the, that has some form of major league track record, uh, that Pittsburgh could take a chance on and maybe, uh, you know, maybe figure something out with him. He's got good plate discipline numbers and, uh, you know, maybe they could, uh, buy, do a buy low and, and end up, you know, having get something there so interesting trade for the, from their side yeah i really like connor joe um like you you mentioned uh he's not a guy who's gonna hit for a ton of power um you know the eight home runs seven home runs and his two full-time major league seasons um but you know if you look at his overall numbers this year they're unimpressive right a 238 uh average a 338 on base is pretty all right an 87 rbrc plus not that not that great but if you look at his walk rate to his strikeout rate, he was still walking 12% of the time. The strikeout rate, 21%, that's fine. You can get away with that. The real big key here comes from looking at his month-by-month his -month statistics. So March and April, he was 272 average. May was a 271 average. June was a 287 average. And then he got injured. And from July on in his limited plate appearances, he batted 162, 146, and 167 after the injury and limited playing time. Uh -huh. So he's a guy who was hitting 270 and above with those walkout rates or the, that walk rate to strikeout rate was that, that's just fine for you. Not hit for a ton of power, but he's a good solid ball player. Get on base, steal you a couple bases and just be an overall pretty solid player. And then he got injured, lost playing time and wasn't able to ever really recover from that. I think it's a really good move for the pirates. It's a, you know, kind of a buy low thing. He, he's just, like I said, mentioned a solid guy who can get in that lineup every day. He kind of knows how to hit. He knows how to just get on base. So overall, like solid type player for the pirates, kind of a guy they need. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Connor Joe's approach is what I really like about him too. You know, he's, he's got that fantastic eye at the yeah. plate makes contact you know, the kind of hitter that's kind of lost in today's game while still being able to be above average at, at hitting for exit velocity. So, yeah, it's really interesting. And then the Pirates also signed um, catcher Austin Hedges to a one year, $7 million deal. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt, you take it. Yeah, I was going to say um, Austin Hedges is a guy who, remember earlier we were talking about Mike Zunino 
and how he was a great defensive catcher who has a horrible strikeout rate and doesn't really walk all that much, but he hits lots of home runs. Well, Austin Hedges is that without the home runs. I mean, he's <laughs> he's just a really good defensive catcher. Um, he, I mean, he put up in, in 2019 in 102 games, he put up a 27.6 defensive value on fan graphs, which is insane. I mean, he's one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. Problem is, he's atrocious at the plate. You're I mean, understating it. Yeah. Somehow. Uh, this year, he put up a 42 WRC plus. Last year, 40. 2020 in the shortened season, 45. 2019, 49. This guy is a sub 50 WRC plus player every year. He's like the modern day Jeff Mathis, and but maybe worse at the plate. But I mean, as a guy who is going to go to, um, as a guy who's going to go to to the the Pirates, I mean, they need somebody to help handle their young pitching staff, and I mean. Not as well. I, I don't know. I mean, he'll he'll be a good leader and, and be able to handle their pitching staff, which is good. So, but other than that, like, I mean, it doesn't really make yeah, any difference. Not much, yeah. not much to say. But all right, we're going to move on to to David's portion yes. of this episode. The big, the big move the Cubs made, uh, and that is signing Brad Boxberger to a one year, two point eight million dollar deal. Yep, he was he's the one. Uh, he's the one. Yep. I, I told I told Damien that I've only ever seen the Cubs destroy Boxberger, so my hope is that they you know tell him to not do whatever it is that the Cubs have on him <laughs> um, because no, he is, he's got like a six something ERA against the Cubs and like a two yeah. seven against everybody else. It's, it's rather wild. I know the Cubs hit like back-to-back walk-off home runs against him when he was in Arizona. They have destroyed him. They have owned him. So hopefully he's, <laughs> he's going to, you know, not start doing that for other teams, but it's a perfectly fine middle reliever signing. And what we saw from the you know middle relievers, the Cubs signed last year was improvement across the board uh, from their year before. So hopefully Boxberger can kind of take that step forward that Robertson yeah. Givens and Martin did. Yeah. I was going to say real quick on Boxberger, this is a guy that the Cubs might've destroyed it, but not everyone else has destroyed him. Um, yeah. And he put up a sub three ERA this year. His metrics weren't quite that good, but he's no. consistently outperformed his metrics in his career. He's got a three forty four career ERA and a three ninety eight career FIP. So I don't think that's something that's totally out of the ordinary for him. And uh, you know, I, I mean, like you said, David Robertson did the same thing last year. I think Boxberger could go in there for the amount of money they're getting paid for relievers with very similar numbers to him. For him to get, you know, one year two point eight million dollars, that is not bad. So I, I think the Cubs made a good good move there. Yeah, and, and his his heat map is frightening for his fastball. It's all right down the middle, and he somehow gets whiffs with it. So I don't know what yeah. he's got there, but hopefully he brings it. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing that he's going to have a very high-level middle infield defense behind him, and that's because the other move is the Cubs did sign shortstop Danzy Swanson to a seven-year, $177 million deal. Second highest deal in team history behind the Jason Hayward deal. Um, and Oof. yeah, not, not the best very, example. Uh, very similar deal. <clears throat> I mean, Sorry. it's it's really not. But here's why. Oh, this banter is going to be great. <laughs> here's the middle infield defense at this point in Major League Baseball. is It's unknown how valuable it's going to be at this point. I certainly don't mind going all in on it. 
you know, Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner up the middle is going to be one of the most athletic middle infields in baseball. It's going to feature two guys who are extremely good um, in their respective positions and, you know, favorites for the gold glove next year. And the Cubs pitching rotation is ground ball heavy with Marcus Stroman, Kyle Hendricks, um, you know, uh, Jamison Tayon. It's it it works for the roster right here. Um, and you'll note we've only been talking about Dansby Swanson's defense because his offense is a little suspect. It's not it's not the same tier as Carlos Correa. It's not the same tier as Bogarts, Turner, but he did hit more home runs than all of those guys last year. So my thought here is that you know the Cubs need power and they need defense. You know, I if they can get a you know twenty five home run season out of Dansby Swanson, I don't know that they really care whether or not the um. I don't know that they really care whether or not it's it's with a high on base percentage. Um, he, he's he's got like a four point five wins above replacement expected from Zips right now, it, which is a huge gain for the Cubs. Desperately needed over the whoever the second baseman was going to be, like Nick Madrigal or Zach McKinstry or a combination of those two. Like this is just a, a big step up. Yeah, I, I, I'll um, I'll start by saying it is an upgrade for the Cubs for sure. Um, you know. I've been watching Dansby Swanson for a long time. I actually, I don't know if I've ever told y'all this, but I was at Dansby Swanson's first career major league game. I went, I went up there uh, to Turner field. It was last year, Turner field. I went up there for his debut game. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. He got his first hit. They were playing the twins, but anyways, um, the, uh, he, he's been a good player for a while. Um, you know, the thing is with Dansby Swanson, he, he's a frustrating player to watch because when he's at the plate, because he, has the power in him to hit some home runs he's he's got he hits the ball really really hard but he is a, he has a frustrating approach at the plate he strikes out a ton he doesn't walk very much and he's very babbit heavy um you know this year his career best offensive season was fueled by a babbit 50 points above his career average um he is going to hit some home runs he hit 27 in 2021 he hit 25 this year um, but you know, he's probably more of a league average type hitter last year. He was a 99 WRC plus. I think that's probably where he's going to mainly be, but, but he is so inconsistent. He's going to have some years where he's more like a 90 and he's going to have some years where he's probably a 110 to 115. Uh, the thing about his defense, I really like his defense. He was an elite 2022. I think he's more of really good as opposed to elite this was by far his best offensive season and i think a lot of it has to do with just kind of the funkiness of defensive metrics but he's a very good defensive shortstop i think that dansby swanson is more of a two to three win role player than he is a superstar and you know i know the cubs wanted to spend a lot of money this offseason and uh obviously he improves their team i don't think this is the type of like game-changing type player that you've got on with, 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 you know, with Dansby Swanson that, you know, and I, I, I was very glad the Braves didn't give him 25 million plus uh, to bring him back. You know, I think that especially over seven years, uh, but I mean, he's going to help the Cubs. He's going to make them better. Um, he's definitely an upgrade over Nick Madrigal. Um, so who obviously he's, he's technically replacing Nick Madrigal because Horner's going to mm-hmm. shift back over to second. But I think, um, you know, I think out of the four, big four shortstops, I would have taken the other three guys pretty easily. Well, depending on Correa's injury, actually, you know, depending on what that ends up being. But um, I, I think he's de- by far the lower of the f- 
four, and and I'm not super confident this this. I think this contract, there's a chance that this ends up being a decent contract. I think there's a pretty good chance it ends up being like Jason Hayward, and I know you don't want me don't want to hear that. Dan, I mean, it's that's, it's that's it's what not- I. <laughs> it's a very similar career path to Jason it's, Hayward. Top yeah, prospect. but Hayward, Hayward, Hayward was a power like they were trying to get power out of Hayward when he was not doing that, right? That was the mistake the Cubs made in 2016. Was Jason uh, Hayward used to hit for power? Let's try to get him back to that. If the Cubs go, oh, Dansby Swanson strikes out too much, let's try to get him back to what he used to be when he was making you know 22 percent strikeout rates when in a 63 WRC plus in 2017. Like that would be a mistake. Yeah. Um, I think they need to let him swing away, swing yeah. freely, let him hit for power. He uh, Statcast had him for thirty-three home runs in Wrigley Field, yeah, um, last year. So if he could get to thirty home runs, yeah, like I, that's huge. Yeah. I, I, last last point for me, I think he's very very similar. He's going to end up in a similar fashion to what Trevor Story did. Um, I think he's going to end up being very similar to Trevor Story. So I don't I don't know about that either, but because he's much more athletic. But anyway. Well, we um, and you just did we will but uh that made one little thing we had a little thing that came out about the the korea thing it's supposedly an eye no issue. it's not it's not that's a it's joke not? that was a joke oh. sorry i thought it was no nope. that was a real thing no uh all right well no nope. delete what i just said i'm gonna delete that out nobody's gonna actually hear that part mm-hmm. that's gonna be funny um Anyway, so let's transition over to the Baltimore Orioles, I guess. Uh, and that's where they signed Adam Frazier to a one-year $8 million deal and Michael Givens to a one-year $5 million deal. Yeah, I could start with Adam Frazier. Um, this is a kind of interesting deal. I think that their infield is kind of set, but uh, he's a guy who can rotate around a lot. So, um, you know, good contact hitter. Good, Honestly, a good guy to bring off the bench. Um he plays the defense at a pretty pretty nice level. I mean, he in 2021 he put up a good offensive season. In 2022, not so good. A lot of that was Babbitt fueled. It's probably he probably really is somewhere in between. I would expect him to be about a league average hitter, a little bit above league average defensively, maybe more league average, league average base runner. He's he's really just an average player. He's an exactly a league average player to me. And I think that adding that depth is going to be really nice for Baltimore, especially with the fact that they've got so many young players. Um, you know, if one of those young players comes up and struggles, you don't feel too bad about having to throw Adam Frazier out there if they need to go to AAA for a few weeks or need to rest them a little bit or something. I, I think that would be a, a, you know, I think it's a good player to kind of ha- just have on your team to be able to ut- be a utility guy, move around a little bit. So I think this is a pretty, pretty nice signing. Um, $8 million isn't too bad for a guy with his skill set. So I think that was totally fine. Yeah. And it, it will shift around their middle infield is the, maybe the one issue is that, you know, where's Jorge Mateo going to play if Gunder Henderson does go to shortstop and your Ramon Urias plays third base, um, you know, you're not DHing Frazier or Mateo. I was so. say, could, couldn't, couldn't Urias play second some? Wouldn't Frazier be playing second? Well, I mean, if yeah. if, if yeah. Henderson doesn't play short, I mean, Frazier can play short. And, yeah. But I mean, that's what I'm saying yeah. about Frazier can no. Frazier can rotate around some. It's what I'm saying. Like, well, they don't, Mateo yeah. was an elite defensive shortstop, right? Year, I mean, so, so you have Mateo was... Henderson at third and and Urias yeah, guess... at short, and then Frazier can kind of rotate around, platoon a little bit, give you that utility guy. That's kind we'll, of what I was we'll, thinking. S- we'll see. I, yeah, that's it's yeah. a little confusing, but I mean, I like bringing in veterans who can anchor yeah. the top of your lineup. Um, Michael Givens is a good player, came from the Cubs last year, went over to the Mets at the trade deadline. It was actually bad for the Mets, but he was really good with the Cubs. And I I think the Orioles, you know, bringing a guy back in with that familiarity 
maybe he can be their closer since they traded away Jorge Lopez last year. I, you know, Givens has that kind of pedigree. So he's, you know, he's a good guy to, to watch. Got a weird arm slot that allows him to have some success. So, you know, 5 million for relievers. We've seen the reliever market kind of go way more than that. So uh, Givens for 5 million, I, I would have thought the the Orioles were going to spend a little more this off season and try to supplant Adley, Gunner, and, and all those guys there, you know, just Frazier and Givens is a little disappointing and Kyle Gibson, I guess, but yeah, kind of a disappointing off season from the Orioles. And it's not there's, over yet. They could make a trade too, or something. So they're just saving up for the bidding war next year. Let yeah. me tell you, they will get somebody uh, next the, year. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and transition uh, over to the Chicago White Sox. They signed Andrew Benintendi to a five-year, seventy-five million dollar deal, which actually is their highest deal in team history. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I bet Mike doesn't like this one, and I love it. I bet that's what happens here. <laughs> uh, I mean. I don't hate it. I mean, I think Andrew Benintendi's a pretty good player. Um, you know, just I don't I don't know if I would have given him five years, but he's only he's only twenty eight, which is something that's different with mm-hmm. him. A lot of these other guys have been like you know thirty, thirty one, especially guys with his skill set. He's only twenty eight, so there's a chance you could find some things with him. He, he hit for a lot of contact this year. One twenty two WRC plus was really nice. He did have a high batting average on balls in play. Uh, defensively, he's all right. He's left fielder. He, he's he's an okay left fielder. I, I think he's a maybe a little bit above league average player. Um, he's a decent regular. And I mean, I don't know if I would have given him five years, but fifteen million a year for a guy who maybe you can tap a little bit of power there. Still, I, I think it's fine. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna get. I'm not super enthusiastic about it or anything, but it's fine. So. Here's the here's the kicker for this deal is that the White Sox corner outfield defense last year was Eloy Jimenez and Andrew Vaughn. Um, yeah. So so that's a huge upgrade. They have not had proper outfield like proper corner outfield players in years. Um, you know, it's it's been so long. Uh, we, we've seen them take on like Nomar Mazzara and Adam Eaton, and they have just been struggling to find somebody who can step into the corner outfield, play it every day for you know solid success and then you know at the top of their lineup he's just gonna he's gonna hit lead off he's gonna get on base he's been doing that for his whole career uh, i i like benintendi a lot and 75 million for a 28 year old with you know we know he's got more power upside in him but if he could just repeat what he did last year i mean 373 on base percentage that's a leadoff hitter in this day and age every day he's got some athleticism and with the stolen bit you know the 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 pitch clock and the pickoff limitations. I think he'll steal some bases too. It's just, you know, this is such a a perfect move for the White Sox specifically because they've been struggling so much with that corner outfield position. Now Eloy can play, you know, DH. You don't, you know, that's a big increase in that outfield defense. So it helps the pitching staff. Uh, This move is a, is a roster wide plus for the White Sox. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't think it's a, a terrible deal overall. I mean, it's it, like David said, it's a lot of what the White Sox were missing out in the outfield, and it's a veteran hitter that's going to be pretty solid. You can almost write down what he's going to give you at the plate each year. I mean, he's going to be an above average league hitter. Um, you know, he's going to hit right around the 260 to 270 mark on average. Um, and if you can tap back into that power a little bit, I mean, I think it's a just fine overall deal. 
But let's go ahead and we'll stay in division there and go to a uh, a guy who we're saying if he can tap into the power a little bit more. This guy doesn't need to tap into the power. He maybe needs to tap into the contact a little bit more. Yeah. And that's with Joey Gallo signing a one-year, $11 million deal with the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, Joey Gallo is a guy that I've never really been a huge fan of his game. I know he's had some gears where he was not bad, but I mean – it's hard to run a 40% strike. I don't care how many, how much power you have. If you run a 40% strikeout rate over a season, it's going to be hard to be a really good player unless you are like a the, – the, have the offensive game of Joey Gallo and be like an elite defensive catcher or something. I mean just – he had a 91 WRC plus last year. Uh, or uh, Sorry, that was, that's a partial season. He had an 85 WRC plus last year. I mean this is a guy that – I mean he's real looks lost at the plate and – I mean, he strikes out 40% of the time. I know the shift being gone will help him a little bit, but, I mean, it's not like he's put too many balls in play that aren't home runs or anyway. So, I mean, when he makes contact, it's a home run typically. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, but, I mean, for, you know, for the cheap, for $11 million, I don't know if I'd give him $11 million. I mean, I know the Twins really had money to spend, and maybe they can turn him, into, turn him around a little bit, but, I mean, I don't know. I'm not super high on this one. So Joey Gallo. Hey, just saying JD JD Martinez for ten million looks a lot better. It really does. It really does. I agree with that hundred percent. Joey Gallo's baseball savant page looks hilarious with the like ninety fourth oh, yeah. percentile hard hit and one first percentile expected batting average. Yeah. This is a this is a Miguel Sano replacement. They already had a guy who strikes out a ton and hits for power. I think it's a bit of an upgrade. Maybe a little too much money, but you know, whatever. Gallo's more athletic and play the field better. It's it's fine. The Twins are you know not they didn't get any of the shortstops, so they've definitely you know going to have to get creative with it. And you know, getting a Joey Gallo bounce back would be certainly a creative way to have some success next year. Well, they haven't got any of the shortstops yet. That's right, no. Elvis Andrews, future Minnesota oh, Twin. Yes. Um. Well, let's go ahead and we'll go over to the other big signing. I know we're already pretty deep into this episode, but we had another big, big signing that happened, and that was that the Yankees signed uh, Carlos Rodon to a six-year, $162 million deal. Yeah, uh, Carlos Rodon is a very, very, very good pitcher when he's healthy. The issue has been over his career staying healthy. He got even be- he got better in 2021 after betting on himself. I think he was non-tendered and came back to the, went back to the White Sox. And took a one-year deal there and was unbelievably good, but dealt with injuries a little bit. 2022, he stayed healthy. I think I think he stayed fully healthy. He pitched 180 innings, which was career high, or 178 innings, which was career high. It was an unbelievable 6.2 wins above replacement, a 288 ERA on the season, a 225 FIP, um, tons of strikeouts. He has pretty good control, not elite control, but good control, You know, not a ton of walks, doesn't give up many home runs. This guy is elite when he's healthy. He's going to be a Yankee now, and I think the Yankees giving him six years. I think this contract would be will be a steal if he stays healthy. Um, but that's really the question with him is how much he's going to be able to pitch. Is he going to, you know, pitch, you know, fifteen starts and then get hurt again? You know, but if he ages well and he stays healthy, he's only thirty. He'll be thirty-five when this contract runs. Or he's, he, this will be his age thirty season. He'll be thirty-five when his contract is up. Not super old for a pitcher, so I don't think they're risking anything for super long term. It's just if he stays healthy. And if he stays healthy, this contract could be looked really, really good. I think this is a great move for the Yankees. 
John Lester got six years, 155 in 2015 uh, to go to the Cubs. And at that point, John Lester had won a World Series and was an extremely reliable left-handed pitcher. This deal, six for 162. I, I, I was dread, dreading that, you know, in their haste to acquire an ace, the Cubs would give out a John Lester deal to Carlos Rodon. He just doesn't feel like the type of guy that can push a team over the top. That said, the Yankees are already a very talented team and him being able to slot in with Garrett Cole to compliment, you know, righty lefty complement that, that arsenal uh, with these high velocity guys makes them a very formidable team. It's a great deal for the Yankees. I, I question the potential longevity of this deal just because of Carlos Ron's track record. But as you said, if he stays healthy, you know, this is a good deal. But look at what guys got last year, right? I mean, Kevin Gossman, Robbie Ray, those guys even had longer track records than Rodon with similar upside and got way less money. So there is no way possible Robbie Ray had a better track record long term than Rodon is. He had one good season. He could at least pitch well, like every year, though, is the thing. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I get that part. That's what I'm saying. I mean, the last two years of Rodon has been literally like elite of the elite. So he's been the best pitcher, in, or I won't say the best. He's been one of the best pitchers, like top 10 easily, best pitchers in baseball for the last two years. Not really that close when he's been healthy. And he, I mean, this past year he pitched a healthy season, so maybe it's behind him. But I, I do agree that the, there's a lot of injury risk here. One other thing to note, too, the Yankees are one of those teams that the payroll doesn't really matter that much to them. So you can eat a contract like this if it's bad, if it doesn't work. But Well, and I think he took significantly less money to go to New York. Yeah. Um, that, that was out there that he had other deals that were bigger from other places and he took less money from the Yankees. You know, I wonder, I wonder that's been said an awful lot this year. I wonder if some of that, I mean, I'm sure that there might've been some times he's places people have been given, you know, bigger offers somewhere else. They said, it's, I wonder how much that's, that's actually happening or if that's just kind of like trying to hype up their fan base and stuff. Cause that seems like that's been said about every free agent this year, just about, but I, I think free agents are being more picky this Maybe. year. Yeah, Maybe, I think but... they're just. I think people are starting to see that they want to go where they want to go, and they want to be competitive on where they go yeah. now. Um, but you know, over the it, it, it's not a safe deal for the Yankees. It, it comes down to both of you guys have a case to be in right. It, David, if if Rodon's shoulder issues creep back up, looks like a terrible deal in two years, three years. I didn't even say it was a terrible Matt, deal, but. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying it would it would look like a terrible deal in two or three years if he if his shoulder injuries crop back up, right? Matt, if he stays healthy and he does what he does, it's a great deal because he fits right in with that. That's the one thing that the whole question around on Rodon. It's is he gonna give you the production or is he gonna be injured like he's shown he to you know to be for most of his career outside of the last two years? Which Rodon you're gonna get, who knows? But slotting in right behind Garrett Cole in that rotation, then you're able to put, you know, you still have Nestor there. You're going to have Luis Severino. The, I, I think this team, the pitching wise, I think it looks great. Frankie Montas. You know, fine. Yeah, you and Emil Hall. Well, I mean, you have six good starters there. You know, I'm going to say something that I think is going to, y'all probably push back on, but if he's healthy, Rodon's better than Garrett Cole. If he's healthy. That's eh, yeah. all right. So the offense for the Yankees <laughs> is the big question here. They haven't done anything to improve 
<laughs> y'all, y'all are gonna hate that, but we're just, we're just. Not I don't hate it. I think, it. I think it's fine. It's just, I, uh, you know, let's see how Garrett or Rodon pitches in Yankee Stadium when he has to give up yeah, two runs true. every game. That's let's true. see. Yeah, I mean, going to the New York dip media is going to be a whole different ballgame in that stadium. But, uh, the, you know, the real thing is with that offense. I mean, they re-signed Aaron Judge, but they haven't done anything yeah. else. That's that's where their real question mark is. They need to make a big trade yep. somewhere. There's the offense, offensive offense stinks. The, the offense does stink, and, and the marketplace, uh, free agency wise, doesn't give you many more options. Um, you know, you can go get Conforto, but there's still questions around him. Um, so Yankees still have a lot of work to do. But uh, we'll go ahead and move on. Uh, we got the we'll stay in division to the Yankees' biggest rivals, the Boston Red Sox. Um, they basically them and the Dodgers did a trade. Dodgers acquired J.D. Martinez. The Boston Red Sox acquired Justin Turner for a two-year, $22 million deal. Um, It does sound like Turner's going to play some first base and DH most of the time for them, and that's because they also designated Eric Hosmer for assignment. Yeah, I think, you know, a two-year deal for Justin Turner is fine. Um, You know, they're not paying him a ton. $11 million a year at AAV, which is fine. He's... Not quite as good as he was, but he's still good. He's going to give you 130 to 140 games maybe, and part of that's going to be DHing. Part of that might be first base. He's going to hit pretty well. I bet he puts up a one 110 to 120 WRC plus as he ages a little bit more. He's still a really solid hitter, and he'll be fine there. Put up two WAR. That's he's going to put. He's going to be fine there. Justin Turner had a 154 WRC or 152 WRC plus in the second half last year. Yeah. Uh, he's been he's just been so consistently good for so long in LA. Um, it's hard to picture him anywhere else at this point. And <sighs> really I know that that that's painful for Damian, but um, you know Turner's very much a DH at this point. Was not playing particularly well at third base last year. He did slot in sixty games, but he was rated negatively there. So um, I envision him as as a DH for them. Maybe he will play some first base. Um, I'm very nervous about Eric Hosmer, though, because my team's currently looking for a first baseman, and that is the the last one I want right there. I mean, my goodness. It, it is funny that the Red Sox cut him when they weren't even paying a penny of his salary, yep. which is which is yep. very hilarious. Yep. Uh, I wonder if that transition's over, like, or, or the Red Sox are just banking that money. I'm not quite sure. Um, but, you know, a, a, as far as Justin Turner, it hurts. It, it really hurts as a Dodger fan. I mean, he's a guy who came here on a minor league deal from the Mets nine years ago, 10 years, whatever it is, um, and really became the star that he is now. He is one. I think he's the Dodgers franchise leader in a bunch of postseason categories. Um, he's a guy who was from L.A. You know, I think he went to Fullerton, Cal State Fullerton. He shouldn't have ever had the opportunity to leave the Dodgers. They shouldn't have. um you know, taking that option to, to get out of his contract this year. I mean, it, it, ideally, even then you're looking at the contract, they gave Martinez 10 years, Justin Turner got 11 years. I mean, it, or 10 years, sorry, 10 million. And Turner got 11 million. I mean, if you're talking about overall, if, if you offer Turner 10 million to come to back, I believe he absolutely takes that. I mean, they did his option for $4 million. So he's really getting 15 this year is what it, it comes down to. But, um, you know, he, he's a really productive player still. He's a guy who usually starts slow. The power doesn't really kick on until usually May or June. And then he usually ends the season right in that postseason as is where you want to get hot. And he's a player that usually does that. You know, he'll carry a team through months of a season. 
uh, I'm doing that. The, the defense is questionable. Doesn't seem like he's going to have to play much third base with Rafi Devers there now. Um, I, I am interested to see how he transitions over to first base if he has to do that. Um, but, you know, it, it's a good designated hitter. Uh, he does have a player option for the second year, so he could opt out there. Um, but we'll we'll see overall. He He's now reunited with like half his Dodger teammates now with, you know, Kenley Jansen and Kike Hernandez and Alex Verdugo and whoever else. Not is Cody Bellinger, though. <laughs> How mad can you make right, Damien in one episode? This episode. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness, this is uh, this is terrible. The Astros re-signed this- Michael Brantley. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm I'm all flubbergasted over here, but yeah, the Astros did re-sign Michael Brantley to a one-year, twelve million dollar deal. Oh man, yeah. I like Michael Brantley. Yeah, I was gonna say I I thought Michael Brantley was a guy that I I kind of kind of wanted on the um I kind of wanted to the Braves to potentially make a move with him, kind of add some good contact to the lineup and, and you know his DH type. But I mean, I'm not surprised he's going back to Houston. He's he's a really good player. Makes a lot of contact. Dealt with some injuries in 2022, but he was really good when he played. A 127 WRC plus. The contact rates were still elite. He actually was putting up a the best walk grade of his career before his injury. It was only 277 plate appearances, but still, uh, he's a very, very, very good player. Good contact, left-handed bat. Hits some, still hits a lot of doubles. Not a huge home run guy anymore, but or ever. But he's he's a good player, and he um he's the Houston's gonna have him again. They'll, they're, they should be glad that they got him back. That is insane to me that he has not put up a WRC plus below 120 since 2017. That he's that's good. absurd, yeah. man. He he's been really good for a really long time. I, yep. you know, this is just another Houston move. You know, he'll split time at DH with Jordan and and Jose Abreu, and that lineup just keeps getting deeper. Going to be tough to pick against Houston once we have to do preseason picks. And dumb old Damien will still pick the Angels for some reason. <laughs> They've had a good offseason. We have we have news on uh, them, but we'll listen, wait for next listen, week. Listen, I fall into that trap every year. All right, we're not doing it. Uh, but let's let's do uh, let's go on to the Steve Cohen portion of the episode since we seem to have one of those every single week. But the Mets re-signed Adam Ottavino to a two-year, fourteen and a half million dollar deal. That's not even the big part of it. It's now that their luxury tax uh, number has, with all the taxes and stuff, it's upwards of four hundred and forty million dollars for this roster. Good grief! Yeah, yeah. I'll start just quickly. Adam Ottavino was really good in twenty twenty two. He kind of was back to the form he showed with when he was with uh, Colorado in twenty eighteen and New York at tw- uh, with the Yankees in twenty nineteen. And you know that that deal, he is a 37 years old so you know there's a little bit of risk to it but you know i don't think that's a bad contract at all money wise it's actually a pretty good value i feel like for a guy who's been as good as him last for a pretty good track record but i'll tell you the mets with that you would think that they would be a better team with that payroll like i mean not that they're not a good team they are a good team but you would think that would be like a runaway World Series favorites if they were spending $450 million on their roster. I think it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's and it, they're not even the clear favorite to win their division, yeah, right? Yeah. The, I mean, they're, they're, there's like three teams that could be. Yeah. I mean, they're not even. You know. The Mets have mostly re-signed guys, too. A lot of that money yeah. is to yeah. players that were already on the roster it, or to replace, to directly replace a player they lost. Yeah, and, and I think they're worse. I mean, I think losing. Well, I mean, I think they downgraded with from. I mean, 
It's hard to say. Work. I, it's, I think they downgraded from talent wise from Degrom to Verlander. Yeah, but that one's still. And, we don't know how that one's going to play yeah, out. And, so, but what I if mean, Degrom gets that, hurt like, in Game One next year? You know, right? I mean, I'm not saying that the contracts are going to lie. I'm just saying, in talent wise, like how good they can be. I think they downgraded. Like, mm. I think Verlander's still really good. I think that Degrom's better. But DeGrom oh, yeah. could get hurt. I mean, Verlander could get hurt. He's 41 years old, and he's had Tommy yeah. John pretty recently. I mean, it's not, you know. Yeah. Um, it was pretty interesting because during the press conference today, which I think today was the the Justin Verlander conference. Yesterday was Cody yeah. Sangas. But um, uh, Epler did say that they expect to make some move at catcher, which there's been a reported move of Omar Narvaez. I don't even know if we put that on here. I don't think we did. Um, we didn't. didn't. Um, they will hit on it in the next episode, but there's a potential trade of James McCann has been really big recently um, out there. I don't know who that's going to be or whatever, but there is yeah. some way with that I payroll mean, and that tax could take a hit um, with our hit, you know, go lower by trading away some of these other I was going to say with that, if James McCann trade, they'd just eat the money probably. I mean, that's, maybe some of it, but they might be able to know. get, I mean, or package a, a prospect in a, like if and, they package, yeah, yeah, they, that's yeah. I, I, they could if they package a prospect with them, then they could maybe get rid of some money. But I don't know if they're even. I mean, if you're going to pay that much money anyways, what's the point? Like, of, of course, I was expecting them to do that when they needed you know another bat at the trade deadline, and then refused to trade for Wilson Contreras because even then it was like, well, you just put that whatever McCann on whatever prospect the Cubs want, and there you go, you know. So yeah, I don't know what they're doing. PCA again. <laughs> that's what they're worried um, about. Yeah. But, um, you know, the last piece of news that we had, we'll stay in division here in the NL East. It's that the Philadelphia Phillies uh, signed v- Vice President and GM Sam Fold and Assistant General Managers Ned Rice and Jorge Valdina to uh, extensions through the 2025 season. So all the top getters there, I think Dabrowski already got his extension. Uh, Sam Fold and the two assistant GMs now after that World Series run have all signed extensions, and I believe they're all through 2025. Sign players. That's how you get extended as a GM. Turns out, because they trade everybody, trade everybody, sign all of the players, acquire a bunch of MVP candidates. Like, <laughs> I, it's funny too because there, these contract extensions are quite literally a third of the deal for Trey Turner. Bryce Harper will still have like six years left on his deal. Signing these players to long-term deals is almost irrelevant for these GMs because what if the Phillies just go just tank and Sam fold and, and all these other people who've been extended, they'll all be gone, but the players will still be there. So, you know, it's, it's ultimately very irrelevant, but when you have that kind of success with signing players as they've done and it it is deserved, you know, the, the years can't be a factor here. You have to go out, be aggressive, sign the deal that people don't expect that's how Trey Turner got to the Phillies, how Bryce Harper got to the Phillies, and you look at the the roster they've constructed mostly out of free agents, and it's very, very good. Yeah, I mean, when you sign all those guys, you're signing them for like 10 or 12-year deals, and you're probably not going to be there anyways when they're over, so, you know, you might as well. <laughs> Pretty much. Exactly. But but uh, this is that's, – that's the last little bit we had um on on this episode uh, as we head into the holidays uh, i hope everyone has a merry christmas and a happy new year i think we're planning on the next episode being after the new year if i'm not mistaken there yes on the third okay yep. so the third is when we're uh planning on coming back all the big name free agents well 
considering Korea's deal gets official, um, are signed. So no emergency episodes, hopefully. Um, but you know, anything else you guys want to wrap up on before we hit the, uh, the holiday break? Um, I don't think anything for me. Um, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I think everything's, um, I think everything's moved a lot quicker than I thought this off season. And, uh, I, I think that, you know, we'll, we'll see at the Korea thing is going to be really interesting to see what happens there. But, um, you know, going into the, you know, a couple weeks here, I don't expect to see a ton, but that means we'll probably have like 10 trades. So, um, but, uh, hope everyone out there has a happy, you know, happy Merry Christmas and happy new year. And I guess we won't be back before new year. So, um, 2023 will be your next episode unless something crazy happens. So I can't wow. wait. You got I can't wait for baseball. Now, now we're in the point where I'm Come like, on. all right, it's time for opening day. The big names have signed. Let's go. Let's roll. Oh, baseball is 100 days from. Yep. From uh, from happening as of today. So, all right, everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and from us to you, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2023.